anger management. <clears throat> and you, you don't need it, but I do. So we're looking at the book of Proverbs, and, uh, and quite frankly, you need it too. Uh, we're looking at this important subject, a topic that uh, a lot of times you probably would rather not deal with. You know, sometimes there's things you'd rather not preach on because they kind of hit you right at home. And this is one of those topics, but it's an important one for us to consider and look at in light of the Word of God. And the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about the matter of anger. Uh, in fact, uh, we began last week by giving an introduction to anger management. And uh, two truths that were so profound, I know it just blew you away last week, but uh, we shared, first of all, that anger is not sinful. And we learned that in chapter 11 and verse 4. And we know from the rest of Scripture, be angry and sin not, the Bible says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. But in chapter 11 and verse 4, it talks about uh, the day of wrath, the day of God's wrath and God's judgment. God is a God of wrath and judgment. He is an angry God. He's angry with the wicked every day. And anger is not a sinful thing unless it's not controlled. And that was the second point we made, that uncontrolled anger is sinful. And I know, again, that's not something we uh, sit there and say, wow, I never thought about that before. Uh, and yet it's important for us to at least uh, make these statements and get them down so we can think it through. And chapter 12 and verse 16 teaches that truth. You're in chapter 14 now, though, and in verse 29, we read these words. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Now, God tells us here, and he be, we begin in looking at the importance of anger management. And that's where we left off last week. I believe we gave you the first two or three, I think, the first two, right? First two things, and chapter 14, verse 29 brings out the first. God emphasizes the need for anger management. He encourages us by saying being slow to wrath is, uh, is, a, is a picture of someone who's of great understanding. And then we looked at another truth, which is kind of interesting, and we won't take the time to look there because we already looked at it last week. But in chapter 25 and verse 28, God says someone who has anger issues, someone who loses control, is like, it's like a city that's broken down. Uh, it's like a place that's without walls. And, um, and so we shared the truth, and, and this is one that um, I'm not so sure I had thought that much about before, but failure makes a Christian vulnerable. You say, well, vulnerable to what? Well, if the picture is that someone who has no control of their temper is like a city that's broken down without walls, it makes you vulnerable uh, perhaps to other sins, maybe to greater sins, opens you up because you haven't developed the discipline of controlling your temper Therefore, in many ways, you're weak and you're able to be attacked. Um, I think we could also argue that we'll use the things we're weak in. So someone who doesn't have control of their temper, uh, Satan and, and, and his forces are going to certainly work against that and use that uh, to make us ineffective for God. Because if we have anger issues, it's going to affect our service for Christ. It's going to affect our home. It's going to affect the workplace. It's going to affect the church. And so it makes us vulnerable in life. And that's where we left off, correct? All right. Want to make sure we are there. So turn over now to chapter 21. Chapter 21. 
And uh, here's a nice negative one for us to consider about angry people, all right? But we want to understand the importance of anger management. And so we have to uh, think about these things. In chapter 21 and verse 19, we learn something else. Uh, and I know this is one that I can get in trouble with, so I'll be very careful about it. Uh, but uh, how about if we have a lady read verse... <laughs> See, I just got myself in trouble, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> I know we have a, a lady read verse tw chapter 21, verse 19. All right. Now, um, I, again, I could get myself in a lot of trouble, and I'm just going to have to learn to keep my tongue. Mm. That's another topic in the book of Proverbs too, isn't it? But our first example directs us to the home. And in chapter 21, verse 19, living in the wilderness, God says, is better than living with an angry woman. Um, no, this isn't just preaching at women, but, but the point was made by Solomon. Um, it sometimes make you wonder what, what kind of home he had. And, and whether, well, he had a lot of wives, so, you know, maybe he had an issue with a few or whatever. But um, if you look in chapter 22, so we don't just get in trouble for talking about women in this one, God says in verse 24 of chapter 22, make no friendship with an angry man. Um, and he says, with a furious man thou shalt not go. So let me just put it this way. Angry people are not desirable company. Angry people are not desirable company. And that's true. Look, who wants to be in a home where, with, a, with a woman who's angry all the time? Uh, you know, I, okay, what's the saying? If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And if mama's angry, and if mama's angry all the time, ain't nobody happy in that home. It's true. And it's a, and it's a fact that although we, uh, again, I, I get in trouble for talking about it, it's a truth that we need to consider. And uh, this would be true as well for, for a man. No one wants an angry man. No wife wants an angry husband. And so uh, understand angry people are not desirable. So why do I need to deal with anger? Because no one would want to be around you if you're an angry person, if you don't have control of your emotions in this way. Uh, and it just stresses how important that is. How many times have you heard of or maybe know of maybe a person, like a, a girl who hangs around a guy that has anger issues and, and she's starting to date this guy, and uh, maybe a number of people sit down with her. Maybe her parents started start the conversation, saying, "Look, this is not the right kind of guy to hang around. The guy has anger issues." Um, and and she, you know, she says, "Well, that's not a problem with me, or I'll change him." Uh, well, God warns you of the danger. Look, if you would, at that chapter 22 again in verse 24. God says, make no friendship with an angry man. With a furious man, thou shalt not go. They're not to be someone you hang around with. They're not to be someone you hang a lot of, around and spend a lot of time with. And, um, and whether that's a girl dating a guy or a guy dating a girl that has that issue, because later on in the home, it's going to be a miserable place. We got both sides, don't we? But notice what he says in verse 25. There's a reason why you don't hang around with someone who has anger issues. It's catchy. It's catchy. Um, just as uh, 
a lot of different areas of, of life where people have issues. If you hang around them, you're going to end up being like them. Complainers and things like that. So those who have anger issues, God says this, don't hang around with those people because you'll learn his ways and it'll be a snare to your soul. So this is an important issue because angry people aren't desirable company. God says you need to deal with this in your life and make sure it's not part of your life. And if it's part of your life now, it's time to deal with it. It's time to do something about it. It's time to take action as a Christian because this is going to stop your effectiveness for Christ and it's going to make your home and the workplace and every other place miserable. And you're going to affect other people negatively. Sometimes we don't think about that either. But, uh, you know, um, an angry woman in the home is is uh, is going to bring a, a real negative uh, vibe to the home, isn't it? And a, and a negative man is going to bring a negative vibe to relationships, and it's going to hurt people. Now, if you look at chapter 27, we go on in our study. And as I said, there's so many uh, different thoughts that are brought out uh, by Solomon in this matter of anger. In chapter 27 and verse 4, we learn something about wrath. What do we learn? All right, it is cruel and anger. What do we learn about that? It is outrageous. Uh, you say, well, what is that talking about? Well, the point of this proverb is to emphasize the evil, uh, ultimately, of envy. They, well, where, where do you see that? He says, who is able to stand before envy? So Solomon, ultimately, the, 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 the point is, ang wrath is cruel, leads to cruel activity. Uh, anger is an outrageous thing. And you say, man, that tells you something is bad about anger and wrath, right? But envy is even worse. Uh, so the truth is, there's a couple things that God brings out a Christian should not be involved in. But let's understand it from the, the standpoint of what we're talking about here. Anger unchecked leads to outrageous actions. Anger unchecked leads to outrageous actions. And we could find examples all over, but there's a Tribune media story that told the following true story. Daniel Blackwell's wife cooked him a grilled cheese sandwich for dinner. Then she took a bite out of it. Her 55-year-old husband was enraged so much so, he went down into the basement, and soon after, she heard shots being fired. She went down to check on him, saw him surrounded by guns and ammunition. She went back into the kitchen, and three more shots were fired, and they were and it made holes in the kitchen floor near where she was standing. She ran out of the house with her children. She called the Baltimore police. When they arrived... Blackwell barricaded himself in the home for a three-hour standoff, all because she took a bite out of a grilled cheese sandwich. It's crazy stuff, isn't it? Uh, he finally surrendered peacefully. He's now facing attempted murder charges. Police are also having him evaluate, evaluated for mental illness and find out why he was so enraged about a grilled cheese sandwich. Prior to the salt convictions. Blackwell, Blackwell, by the way, wasn't even legally allowed to own guns because he, um, he had convictions already. Wrath is cruel. Anger is outrageous. Now, you say, well, <laughs> I would never get that upset about a grilled cheese sandwich. My wife better not bite my grilled cheese sandwich. 
house. I don't have a basement to go into. I do have guns, though. Um, you know, we, we laugh about that. It's ridiculous. But um, the truth is, when someone doesn't have control of their tem temper, they do silly things, outrageous things. Um, and it may not be that crazy, but it is amazing how out of control people get when they don't have control of their temper. And God reminds us of that truth. And this just drives home the idea that people, this is something we've got to deal with. Because if we don't check our anger, if we don't deal with it, um, it will and it can lead to all sorts of outrageous things. Go back, if you would, to chapter um, 16, chapter 16, if you would. In chapter 16, and I know we're going backwards. Normally, I try to follow a thought through, but we're going backwards because we're going to come back to this verse a little bit later on. But God says in chapter 16 and verse 32, an important truth. So uh, we've already heard it in chapter 14, I believe, at least something like it. Does someone read it for me, please? Kind of interesting, isn't it? He says, you don't have control of your anger. You're like a city that's broken down without walls. And then God turns around and he says, if you're slow to anger, you're better than the mighty. And if you rule your spirit, you're better than someone who takes a city. But what do you mean by that? Anger control, get this, is better than strength. So if you were to make the choice between super strength and controlling your anger, which would you pick? I would dare say probably, you know, people would say, well, man, if I could take if I could go by myself and take a city, wow, that would be something. And by the way, we do emphasize and we, we magnify people who can, can do great feats and they have great strength. Well, like, like your pastor, I know, you know, why does everyone laugh whenever I bring anything up? God says, look, if you're to make that the choice, it is far better to control your anger than to be a strong person. And what's interesting is that if someone's a strong person, so strong that they can take a city, they've had to discipline themselves to do it. And so they really have the discipline then, obviously, to control their anger. But they've made the wrong choice. If they've taken care of strength, but they haven't taken care of their anger. And so God, once again, says, look, anger control is better than strength, so choose your control. Um, many don't see the control of anger as a great need in life. Um, it's so easy to justify your failure. If drivers would just learn how to drive, If my wife would just stop, if my husband just wouldn't do this, and, and so um, in essence, we do what Adam and Eve did when they blamed, well, Adam blamed the woman you gave me, and then Eve blamed the, the serpent, um, and we have people who are just passing off their anger. Uh, the choice would be strength for many because they don't see anger management as uh, superior to physical might. But God says, 
that anger control is indeed more important. Uh, John Gill said this. He said, the man who controls this anger is better than a mighty warrior or conqueror. He brought up Alexander the Great, who conquered his enemies and even all the world, and yet in his wrath slew his best friends. A man that is slow to anger is esteemed by the Lord, respected by men, is happy in himself, and is preferable to the strongest man that is a not a master of himself and of his passions. Um, why is control of anger so valuable? Because it requires the kind of self-control that can aid you in mastering the whole body. Because you have control of your temper, and the truth is strength you can take care of, and the other things you can take care of. And so um, a philosopher said this, fewer men are found who conquer their own lust than that overcome the armies of enemies. Um, there are many people who have physical strength, can do amazing things, but they have marriages that are falling apart. There's football players that everyone praises for being great football players that are on their second and third marriages because they haven't learned to control their temper. They haven't learned to discipline themselves, even though they discipline themselves tremendously to be on the football field and to make it at the level that they're at. So God says, look, control it. This is not a little issue. It's a big issue. And if you're making choices, make the choice to control your anger. Now, we could make this list a lot longer, but these things should, should be saying, I need to control my anger. I got to do something about this. This is important. So let's come to that conclusion, and then let's allow God to speak. Let's allow God to share some things now. Let's look at some instructions in anger management. Let's look at some instructions in anger management. Your action in anger management, or lack thereof, first of all, we need to understand, is a matter of choice. Doesn't verse 32 in chapter 16 really remind us of that? That's why we went backward on that last point. Because this verse does bring out that point. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Uh, the indication is, look, if you're going to make a choice, make this choice. So in essence, control your anger is a choice. It's a decision you can make. You can do something about it. Well, I'm just a redhead. Or I'm Irish. Well, I, you know, I, I'm sorry if you're Irish, but just because you're Irish doesn't mean that you have to lose your temper. You know, just because you're a redhead doesn't mean you have to lose your temper. Just because you're from New England doesn't mean you have to lose your temper. Um, you know, look, just because you had a certain upbringing, because you have a certain color of hair, because you have a certain nationality, because you grew up in a home where there was a lot of anger doesn't mean that you have the right. God says you make a choice in this. So... The person that's slow to anger, they're better than the mighty. So make the choice to be slow to anger. You can. The indication is you can. And every indication in Proverbs, there's no proverb that says, well, look, this is just something that you're born with and just deal with it. You know, this is the kind of, well, that's life. You know, some people are just prone to it. Well, you know, some people do have personalities that lend themselves to anger. Just like some people have uh, personalities that may lend themselves to be controlled by drink or controlled by some other vice in life. We all have different struggles. I get that, and I understand that. 
And I'm not saying that, well, we're all the same and we can, no. But what I am saying is that God can help you to win the victory over it because it's a choice. And everything in the book of Proverbs, like this verse and many others just like it, share with us the truth. Hey, look, you can be slow to anger. Understand what's being slow to anger is like and what it's going to result in. Make the choice. Do something about it. And I'm encouraged by that because then I'm reminded that if I lose control, it's not because I can't help myself. It's not because things can't change in my life because God can change me. It's that I haven't made the choice to do something about it. And I'm not looking to God and I'm not doing the things that God wants me to do that, that are going to bring about that change that he so wants in my life. And so he talks about so many times in the book of Proverbs to encourage me to do something about it. So your action in anger management or lack of your action is a matter of choice. Uh, it ought to be said, this is with any sin, the more you serve sin, the stronger it grows. You know, the Bible talks about being holden with the cords of your sin. And it's true, the longer someone allows something to go on in their life, and we're not just talking about anger, but we're talking about any area of life. If someone doesn't control their lusts and they continue to, to look at the wrong kind of things and they kind of feed that kind of, that, 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 that mentality and that lifestyle, then it's going to get ingrained in the life. We're creatures of habit. And sadly, sinful habits are easy to gain and, and, and often hard to get rid of. So when someone allows their anger to, if you would, um, flow out rather than control it, when they let it, when they blow up rather than do something like they ought to, uh, they will find many times that they're controlled by it. And it's, a, it's something they naturally do. But even when it's deeply ingrained, there is a spirit of God in it in heaven that is bigger than your temple. And, and I, I just, I, you know, I, there's, there's just no sin without that you cannot deal with and change without with God's help. Nothing. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And, um, and if he can part the sea for the children of Israel to walk through, uh, he can deal with your anger and your temper. You can change. It's a matter of choice. Um, and we could turn to so many other verses, not only in Proverbs, but throughout the Bible. But I, I, I'm going to avoid the temptation to do that. Um, but we need to remember that, that God can change us and we need to make the choice. Your actions in anger management or lack thereof, secondly, reveal your character. This is an interesting truth. Go back to chapter 12. Kind of the verse that started this whole study. And we found in verse 16, a fool's wrath is presently known. So God tells us in, the, in this passage that fools lose control. Uh, it's not just that the fool fails to keep his anger in check. But if you, you notice, look at the verse uh, once again. The fool's wrath is what? Presently known. The word presently means today. And the idea of this is that when the passion of anger rises, he gives into it. So he, the term we use, he blows up. He's that volcano. He explodes because he's angry and he's going to let everyone know it. And that's the way he is. 
And God says that that shows something about his character. He is a fool. Um, that is not the way I want to be described. But, but sadly, it's a description God would probably give to some Christians. Uh, we use the term to describe this person to fly off the handle. Okay? Um, and you, you picture a guy with an axe, right? He swings it back, and when he swings it back, the handle flies off. And that is where the term uh, comes from. Uh, there's some to argue whether that's truly it or not, but to fly off the handle. It's, it's that is unexpected. It just happened. And that is the way many people in the ma- with the matter of anger this presently carries that idea. It's just like, well, I'm mad. <laughs> let everyone know. And when you let everyone know, you're telling something. You're telling everyone that you, your character, you're you're a fool. That's <laughs> not the thing. Um, look at you in chapter 14 and verse 17. He that is soon angry, what do we find? He deals foolishly. So a short-tempered or soon angry person, rather than taking time to compl- contemplate the matter, the fool reacts to deeds done. Um, if you look in verse 29, we see that brought out again. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. Look at the second part. But he that is hasty of spirit, he exalts foolishness. So he is a fool. He exalts foolishness. See how many different ways that God brings out this truth to emphasize what a person is. A fool loses control. But God says, uh, in 1429, the verse that we actually already looked at at the beginning, he that is slow to wrath is what? Okay, so fools lose control. You love this one. Intelligent people are slow to wrath. So are you a fool or are you intelligent? Well, don't question my intelligence. I'm not questioning it, but actually the, what you deal with in the matter of anger does say something about it your intelligence. Um, strong statement is, in regard to, in re, uh, is made in regard to control of temper. If you're slow to wrath, and get this, you're not just intelligent, you're abundantly intelligent. Do you know why? Because, because being slow to wrath requires that you think before you act. And smart people do that. Smart people don't just fly off and make rash decisions about things. Smart people think. And that's what's required. That's what's required to be slow to wrath. You're taking time to think things through. So intelligent people, smart people, are slow to wrath. Because they understand that many times, as the Bible says, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. James tells us that. So, A wise person knows that. A wise person intelligently thinks about that, and so he doesn't allow things to to cause him to just act. He takes the time to think. You know, we kid about this count to ten before you lose your temper. But there there is something about that. There is something about you taking a few seconds, even just a few seconds, in a time of pressure, which is when anger comes out, to to whether it's count or do something else, to pause and to give your mind the opportunity to think before you just blow. 
valuable truth Solomon shared, didn't he, about the subject of anger. Uh, another proverb addresses this matter. Um, just take a moment, look there, chapter 19 and verse 11. Chapter 19 and verse 11. And we'll come back here next time we have the opportunity to meet. But he says, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger. Get this, it's the intelligence of a man that defers, that puts it off, literally makes it long. That's what God tells us. And once he's done that, once he's put it aside, if you would, and he's got it held there, he's had time to think that he may find that what aroused his anger can be ignored or covered over. And he doesn't have to make an issue of it. But had he just blown up, it would have created a problem that caused other problems and led to other things. Maybe in marriage, it, it lead to the, the destruction of a marriage in a relationship. So God says, look, smart people, intelligent people, wait before they lose control. They're slow to wrath. And so God reveals something about your, your character uh, in the matter of, of anger management. Now, if, if through these things you haven't been challenged about controlling your anger, I don't know what will. Those are powerful truths and powerful proverbs that remind us that a Christian who's out of control is a Christian who doesn't please God and needs to change. Thankfully, with his grace, for his glory. Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the opportunity you've given us for just a few moments to continue in our study, to look at a number of verses that remind us about the importance of controlling our anger, and may we be people who learn to do that. And with your help, with your strength, um, may we uh, control our anger, show our wisdom and our intelligence, and, um, and please you. And we'll thank you for what you'll do and how you'll help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you as you bring your anger under control. You're dismissed.